You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, Why Not Mint Money is a daily podcast on personal finance that helps you get smart about managing money. We help you understand basic money concepts to keep you from making bad money mistakes. Why Not Mint Money is your one-stop solution to money matters. So, let's get started. Welcome to your money journey. Hi, this is Namrata Patel from Men's Personal Finance Team. And in this episode of Why Not Mint Money, we will be talking about the recent SEBI restrictions that have impacted overseas investments for Indian investors. There is a monetary limit for overseas investments, and our mutual fund schemes have almost reached those limits. To prevent the cap from being breached, SEBI has restricted mutual fund schemes with overseas investments to accept any further inflows. Let's understand how these restrictions impact mutual fund investors today. Joining us today is Vishal Dhawan, certified financial planner and founder and CEO Plan Ahead Wealth Advisors. Hi Vishal, thank you for joining us today. Hi Namrata, it's a pleasure being here. Thank you Vishal for coming on board. So Vishal, let's first understand what these SEBI restrictions are and why they have been imposed in the first place. So actually um, you know all overseas investments largely get managed in close coordination between SEBI and RBI. Uh, RBI has a very large role to play in setting these limits up because uh, a lot of what happens with money moving out of Indian borders could potentially have impacts on the Indian currency value and therefore there are set of restrictions and a set of limits that are set up by RBI and because the mutual funds actually got close to reaching that point where they were going to hit the limit there have been some restrictions that have been put in uh, what one needs to keep in mind is that a lot of these limits have been in place for a long while now so this is not something that's brand new that's being set up the last limit enhancement actually happened in 2008 where there is a limit which is set up of 7 billion dollars for international investments to be made by mutual funds and then there is a separate 1 billion dollar limit that has been set up for exchange traded funds or etfs as they are more popularly known so what has happened in the last um, you know week to 10 days is that effectively the 7 billion dollar limit has been close to getting breached and therefore sebi has come by and said that uh, you know ideally mutual funds should not be accepting any fresh monies into investments which are going to go into the international mutual funds what's very important in here to also note is that this is the investments being made and not the assets under management or the aum as it's popularly called because the aum consists of the gains that are made on the investments as well so i think what investors should be doing is not getting confused between the aum of a fund that invests internationally versus the investments that are getting made So essentially, what you're saying is that the investments that are being made in overseas companies by mutual funds in India have almost reached the seven billion limit, which is why instead of breaching that limit, which the SEBI and the RBI has set together, the mutual funds teams with international overseas holdings have stopped any fresh inflows. That's absolutely right. That's exactly how it works. That um, you know what SEBI is trying to do here is ensure that there is no breach until a fresh limit is set up. 
So how does this impact different types of investors in India? How does this limit being breached, you know, impact retail investors who have holdings in mutual fund schemes with international uh, holdings? So I think what we need to keep in mind is there are a few different types of investments that people have been making over the years to invest internationally uh, on the retail investment side. One is there are a bunch of uh, mutual funds that have investments being made either into international stocks directly or into international mutual funds through what is called a feeder route. That's one category of investments getting made. The second is where the money is collected locally in India and the investments happen in international ETFs. And the third is a set of funds that have been allocating most of their money to Indian equities, but a part of their money has been going internationally. Uh, and most of these funds have you know, tried to keep their Indian equity exposure to at least 65% of the portfolio to get the tax benefits available on capital gains, Indian listed equities. So essentially, we have these three separate categories of, of funds that are effectively available. And what one may need to do is look at each of these segments a little differently from each other. For those investors who are investing in, in uh, international funds that are investing directly in stock or investing in through a fund of funds route into international funds, those funds are clearly very directly impacted by this regulation. And what most of them have done is that they have stopped accepting any fresh monies, either in the form of a lump sum or in the form of a systematic investment plan or a systematic transfer plan that is now being set up. What most of them have done though, is if there is an existing SIP or STP that was set up in advance, then those SIPs and STPs are continuing to be honored at this particular point in time, even though this is not a standard process getting followed and it is a fairly dynamic situation. And therefore what investors will need to do is depending on where they've individually invested, they may have to check with their respective mutual fund scheme on what they are doing uh, or look at the addendum that would have got sent out by this mutual fund scheme to them. For those who are... Uh, uh, just know, one minute, Vishal, yes, you, yes. Vishal you, you are saying that you know, such investors should wait and understand first whether their existing SIPs and lump sums have been impacted or not. That's correct. So they would need to go back and check with their... Um, you know, uh, particular mutual fund schemes on whether, you know, their SIPs, which they had put into place earlier also, or STPs that they had put into place have got impacted, or those will continue because they were contracted earlier. And we'll come to how, what they should do if their SIPs have been impacted in the next question. So you can, I think, proceed with uh, what the next set of investors can do. Absolutely. So as far as the investors who are investing in mutual funds that are investing in ETFs are concerned, international ETFs. Again, there has been no standardized process that has been followed. Uh, in certain cases, uh, you know, funds continue to accept money and even fresh money and they are deploying it because the limit has not been breached for ETFs. In certain other cases, the AMCs have actually stopped accepting money, even though the ETF limit is getting breached. So once again, in this category as well, there is a need to go back and look at what you might have already done to decide on the way forward by checking with the AMC or the addendum that would have come to you as an existing investor. 
the third category is where there is a fund which has largely indian investments but a portion of the money is actually invested internationally those funds are again taking a very similar view that you know there is no standardized response with some of them stopping inflows completely into uh, you know fresh in terms of fresh investments and some of them saying that you know existing sips can continue some saying that you know it will stop so i think at a broad level irrespective of the category that you are going to one of the first things that you should be doing is becoming aware that it's very unlikely that you will have fresh allocations that can happen anywhere though there are a few schemes that are allowing investments and i'll come to that separately in terms of how to deal with it if you've been an existing sip or stp investor then check with your amc or the addendum to see what your scheme is really doing what you need to keep in mind is that as an investor if you were investing in the third category of funds which were funds which had largely indian investments and some part going internationally what could happen is that the inflows of money that are going to come in to those schemes with the existing sips or stps may get allocated into domestic equities only and may not actually get into international stocks or international um, you know exposure for the short term till this entire limit breach issue is sorted out and therefore you could find a little bit of disruption happening in the way that your investments have been taking place so far and and i think it's therefore important to be able to understand that however what is equally important to understand is that this is not anything which is a cause for concern for existing investors where they have to worry about anything having gone wrong with india's view on investing internationally or with any sort of volatility that is happening in international markets at this point in time this is purely a technical issue that has got created because a breach has taken place of a limit of 7 billion dollars that had got set up in 2008 when this industry was significantly smaller than what it used to be i think just to give a numerical perspective to this amount of money going to just international funds 2 years ago uh, was in the region of between 2 and 1/2 and 3000 crores today that number um, you know is about 25000 crores so the the acceptance and the desire for a lot of investors to invest internationally has increased significantly over the last couple of years and therefore this limit has got breached so while investors should definitely not worry because this is a very dynamic situation and the regulatory bodies will be working on you know enhancing these limits but at the same time you know what should a retail investor who has existing two things existing sips as well as existing lump sum amounts in these kind of uh, schemes what should they do so i think you need to once again go back to why you started off right so as always the starting point for going international was because it made a lot of sense from an asset allocation perspective to have investments in a combination of domestic and international assets the reason why you did that was because you had some of your financial goals that were going to happen in the future which were going to have international components to them for example you could have had you know education that you're planning for your children which was going to happen overseas or you could be traveling overseas regularly for uh, for uh, vacations and you want to have a protection built in saying that a part of my exposure should be to um, to international currency assets and therefore because none of this is changing 
this technical issue should not cause any sort of concern in terms of you requiring to change your investment strategy. Biggest recommendation at this point would be that investors should just stay updated on what is happening in their respective schemes without trying to do anything at this point. What is being spoken about is a um, enhancement of this limit over the next um, few weeks or months. And therefore, in our view at this point, investors should be do, doing nothing except staying updated. What is also very, very important to keep in mind is that because there are a few schemes that are accepting investments in international um, you know, uh, holdings even now, there may be a tendency for one to just rush towards those schemes, saying that let me put my money here before it actually closes down here as well. We do not suggest that at all, because the starting point of why you're going to be investing internationally and the type of schemes that are open and your risk tolerance should all match with each other. And if they do not match, then do not rush into trying to get an international investment done just because of this breach having taken place, which is probably going to get sorted in a very short period of time. Right. So basically not to panic and just to keep updated about what is happening and what uh, is you know happening with your particular scheme. I have just one follow-up question. What does an investor do in case his or her scheme has stopped SIPs in these schemes and they have an ongoing SIP? What does a person do then? So the, our uh, suggestion would be that in that specific case, what you want to ensure is that the discipline of putting money into an SIP does not go away. And therefore, you could temporarily put that SIP installment into a liquid fund or an overnight fund just so that it doesn't get spent away from your bank account. Um, maybe this will get sorted in a month or two months. Once it gets sorted and things normalize once again, uh, what you need to do is whatever money you had kept aside, which would normally have gone, needs to get invested as a lump sum into the same scheme that you were originally doing your SIP into. And uh, on an ongoing basis, the SIP will once again resume. Uh, the good news has been that there has been no cessation of SIPs that has happened so far. It has just been like a pause where the mutual funds are keeping the SIPs live, but not collecting the money from your bank account and therefore not investing. So I think Vishal, uh, the advice to investors would be to just wait and watch and see how the regulatory bodies, you know, change these limits or rectify these, uh, you know, the, this particular restrictions. And until then, just stay calm. Don't take any, uh, you know, knee-jerk reactions and simply just stay updated with what is happening with your respective scheme. Absolutely. That's uh, exactly the advice that we would give. Thank you so much, Vishal, for your insights. It was wonderful having you on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And Vishal, any parting advice to investors who are uh, you know, worried about these schemes or worried about their SIPs being stopped? Actually, we, um, you know, we do hope that going forward, there are no such events that happen again. And therefore, there is some methodology that is devised where a dynamic sort of limit gets set up. Because as the size of the mutual fund industry increases and as it becomes more and more popular, uh, we will see the need for much, much higher limits than what exists today. And therefore, um, you know, our advice to investors is hopefully this is going to be a one-time disruption. You will not have to deal with this sort of a thing any, uh, you know, at any point in the future. 
and just because of this happening uh, don't try to go in and you know suddenly decide that i want to go out and buy direct stocks internationally because you know i can do that off a platform because that's a much more complex sort of exercise it comes with a uh, different set of regulations around the liberalized remittance scheme there are costs involved in that there are taxation um, you know complexities involved in that for most retail investors we think that a wait and watch is far better than them going and trying to explore other alternatives at this particular stage thank you so much vishal it was really informational and great to have you clarify these parts which have been worrying investors of late thank you very much namita thank you vishal that's all from today's episode of why not mint money thank you for tuning in Thanks for listening in. We're also available on livemint.com and if you're old school then do pick up a copy of Mint for some insightful coverage. If you have any questions you want us to address, do reach us out at HT Smartcast. We are present on Twitter, Facebook and Insta. And if you want to connect over email, write in to us at mintmoney@livemint.com. Until next time, it's bye-bye. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.